Hello, residents of Meepletown. This is Dean. And this is Keith. And today we're going to be talking about a couple games we've been playing lately. Then we're going to be doing a top five roll and or flip and write, whatever category that is. So thanks for joining us for episode 126. All right, Meepletown, we are here with Keith Law. Uh, as you know, uh, John John kind of crapped out on us and, and dumped the show, and, and so we've been having some guests on here. And, and thankfully, Keith Law uh, agreed to come on the show, and I really appreciate you coming on here, Keith. No, oh, yeah. Thanks so much for inviting me. Now, now some people might not know you in the, in the board gaming world, which is all we're going to be talking about today is board games, right? But you don't necessarily live in that board gaming world. Some other people might know you from the baseball world is, is my guess. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, that is the day job, at least, or, or it's the thing that funds the board game hobby. Um, <laughs> you, know, you, you have to do something, right, to pay the bills and also pay for the games. Yeah. So for folks who don't know, I have been a full-time baseball writer for almost 17 years now. I was at ESPN for quite some time and then joined The Athletic. Uh, at the beginning of 2020, it's now part of the New York Times, although the site and the job haven't really changed. And I am our main, our, really our only full-time prospect writer. So I travel around seeing the top minor league prospects or the top prospects in college or high school for the draft, which is, um, as we're recording this, I'm going to Wake Forest uh, tomorrow in about 24 hours to go scout some prospects for this year's draft. Oh, fantastic. Excellent. And in the me in, in the midst of all that, there's some board gaming that happens too, I guess, right? Yeah. It's a little hard. March is usually bad, although I will uh, one thing is I'm going to Arizona for a spring training run next week and have a friend who works for one of the teams that trains out there um who is also not just a board gamer but into some of the more uh, some of the heavier stuff too. And so last year we got together and played, well, actually twice last year we met while both on the road because we were both in the same place. And play, one time we played Castles of Burgundy, another time we played uh, Red Cathedral, Cat in the Box. I haven't decided what I'm packing for this trip, but it's like he was, might have been the first person I contacted. Like, you going to be in Arizona? All right, I have to make sure I bring a big enough suitcase. So I bring a couple of games and he'll have a couple of games and we won't play them all, but we'll pretend we're going to play them all. That's usually how it happens. You always pack a lot more games than you actually need for, <laughs> for experiences like that. I actually just picked up Cat in the Box. I'm pretty excited. I haven't got a chance to play that yet. I loved it. I thought it was super clever. Um, I, I it, Not everyone feels the same way. Um, and actually, my friend who I was just talking about didn't, uh, didn't love it as much as I did. But I thought the way they took the Chardinger's Cat thought experiment and actually made a game out of it tied the theme very well to the mechanics was really really brilliant to me that is such a separator so many there's lots of great games with themes that are just pasted on but this was a great game that really took the idea of the theme and integrated it into the gameplay yeah it's it's crazy if you would have and this is exactly what i heard it pitched as this is a trick-taking game but there's no suits and Mm -hmm. you know you just have this moment there are what what but only when you play right when you play a card it, the, that's the gimmick, right? You right. You play a card and say what the suit is, assuming that that particular number and suit have not previously been played in that round, and that's the that's the Schrodinger's cat part. Or once you've played the card, the idea is now it's been observed, and all the states have collapsed into this 
one suit. It was possible it could be any suit while the card was still in your hand. But once you've played it, now everything collapses into a single suit that you have to state. But also that can create the possibility of a paradox. If you suddenly no longer have, you might have cards in your hand, but not be able to play any of them because someone has already played all of those numbers in in those particular suits. And so you just can't play any of them and you cause a paradox and the round ends and you and you are the loser of that particular round at least. Right. What a what a brilliant design. I, I'm pumped to get that one to the table. So before we jump into the games we've been playing, I did want to say, so I didn't realize that you were a gamer until I was at PAX U a couple of years ago, uh, mm-hmm. 2021, I guess is what it was. And I was there with a buddy of mine named Jonathan and Jonathan walked over. He had gotten done playing some games, walked over to us and he said, I just played some games with Keith Law. <laughs> Oh wow! Like what? And he was he was so excited. He's a huge baseball fan, and his dad's a huge baseball fan. So he immediately went and called his dad. He was so excited, and and we were all like, "What was he like? What's he like?" And he's like, "He's he's uh, he's a gamer, you know. Like he's here to play games like everybody else at this convention." And and he just he talked about what a nice guy you are, and and so I yeah, it was it was a huge experience for him, and and he loved love that uh getting to play games with you and you were just like everybody else just hanging out playing some games there that's what i love about i go to gen con and gen con's a little more work because because all the publishers are there um but after hours certainly i'm trying to play a ton of games i try to play games at the in the exhibition hall too and then because i live in wilmington delaware pax u is the home convention and so i always go all three days um my daughter usually comes one or two days on the weekend this year my stepdaughters are gonna come too because now I think they're old enough and they've got, I've sort of introduced them into the hobby too. And um, that is, a, that's much more about just play as much as I can. I love that first look section. They oh do. yeah. Yeah. We camped and out there a lot. <laughs> that's really like my, my daughter, if I let her decide, she would just stay there the whole time. She mm. would just play every new game she possibly could. And we did, I think we played 10 different games over the two days, even taking breaks for meetings or to see a couple friends um daryl andrews who's the great game designer sagrada is one of his he was there and so we hung out with him played a couple of games and um but in the first look section we just absolutely crushed it and then ended up picking up a couple of the games that we had seen there that were actually already available um you know there weren't all but uh and then a bunch of them ended up just kind of on the wish list all right watch out for it might be 12 months might be more before one of these comes out but keep them in mind i think i just saw the um Oh my God, what is it called? The the moving castles, the wandering castles. Oh, I just Cap- saw that like two days ago. Okay. Capstone picked it up. So, yes. cause it wasn't available in English. Right. And Capstone's going to do, I don't know when, I think you could pre-order it. We probably got the same email. Um, yeah. And yeah. so that, I think it's coming out at Gen Con and we both really liked it. And I was like, that's a great family game too. You could definitely play that with somewhat younger kids. Cause okay. there's not a lot of text or anything. And it's, and it's got that fun gotcha like it's a little take that, but it's not too mean. Although I think my younger stepdaughter, who is six, she's fine being mean. Okay, um, <laughs> she's the one we were playing Quacks and Company a couple of months ago, I guess, and she drew the the tile that lets you move eight spaces, and she looks at me and her sister and goes, "So long, suckers." <laughs> Where did you learn that? Amazing. She's a she's a gamer right now. Oh, hardcore. She's the one who'll rip your head off. Oh, that's older stepdaughter is like, we could play a co-op game. That's fine. She likes winning, (laughs) but you know, she'd go either way. And the younger one is like literally didn't like what's the co-op game we played? Um outfoxed, which I think is great. Oh, we we love that with our kids. It's great. 
and I don't think she said it was stupid, but she was definitely saying it was stupid. whatever word she used was not that. <laughs> and she was like, that's boring. Uh, no, she wants to tear your head off. There's, there's no, no one to destroy in this game. So no, that's exactly it. Yes. <laughs> like, Except no, the I reputation like, of, a, of a fox, right? Like the, This is true. The yes. poor fox. Yeah, she was, yeah, that was insufficient for her. She's, the, <laughs> she's her mother, by the way. I love my wife. My wife is very competitive. Also does not like cooperative games. Like she's like, no, 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 I need to beat you. That's great. So I, I would need to that. see a, a camera like set up at your at your your gaming table in your house just to see what happens here. The... <laughs> oh yeah, the the small one. She's she's a little bit fierce. That's fantastic. Well, I'm going to talk about a game that I know that you've played because you you reviewed this um, in an article on Paste, and that is uh, if I can pull this up, Garden Garden Bow, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which is a 25th century games game. I'm still kind of working through all the games that, that they sent out. They, Oof, they, yeah. I don't know how they put out so many games. They are um, prolific. But I am still working through a lot of them. This is one that, that I got to the table that is it's interesting because it, it kind of has this feel of a family game. You talked about this in in your review. But it is a family game. The, the gameplay itself is is very easy to grok. It's, it's, you've got these one-by-two tiles, these seedling tiles that are domino-esque in the sense that you've got two different symbols on there you're gonna be going around this rondelle taking one of those tiles putting it into your uh into your area where you're building up this all these seedlings in there then you're going to take these resources sunshine and and water and you're going to be paying those depending on how the, the cost of what a plant is and a plant is also a one by two tile that has to match up with the different symbols from those seedling tiles. You're going to place those on the board. Then once you get those on the board, you're going to be taking the, uh, the plant, I'm sorry, the flower tiles. These are the two by two tiles, putting those over top of your plant tiles. And they're going to be scoring you a lot of different points at the end of the game. But the whole Really, the whole game is you're going around this rondelle, taking tiles, putting them out there, and just kind of planning so that you can get points at the end of the game. The point tiles might just be, you know, this one's going to give you a lot of points for the adjacent type tiles. It might give you points for uh, the different red flowers or orange flowers that are or seedlings, you know, that are around the board. The gameplay itself is really simple. That's it. You know, you know how to play the game now. But the thinking level, thinkiness level of this one is through the roof because you have that third layer, which is there's lots of games where you're like kind of putting things out on the board and then you put something on top of that. But this one you're putting on top of that and then something else on top of that, which is crazy because there's lots of different ways to score points because of that third level. And you have to think so far ahead, plan so far ahead based on those tiles that you have. I like this one. I thought this was a fun one. I don't know if it's, it is a family style game, but I'm not going to play this with my kids because it, it, it does take a little bit long for what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's a really thinky game. And you, if I remember right, you like this one. Is that right, Keith? I did. I did. But I agree with you completely. It is, it's very tense. Like it's very tight. Your decisions are, um, they have a lot of impact over the course of the rest of the game. And you you don't have a ton of margin for error. Um, you can make one particular decision early. It doesn't screw you necessarily. It's not like that, but it limits your options for the rest of the game. And the first time I played it too, it was my wife and a friend of ours. And all three of us realized about the midpoint that something we'd done earlier had made doing something else either impossible or just extremely difficult. And I 
then that's fine. That's some some games just there's a little bit of a learning curve, and the second, third time you play, you're just better. That's true, I think, of most games. This was one though where it's like, oh, I can't do that next time. Oh, I need to make sure I'm thinking of this particular thing as well. And I always think about when talking about playing games with um, my kids or any any kids, my niece and nephew also really like games, and they're all kind of in this same age range between six and eleven for the for all of them. Um, I think about what's the cognitive load of the game. How much are we asking people to really keep in their brains as they play to keep track of things or to consider strategic possibilities? You know, I always think chess, for example, obviously kids do learn to play it, but it's a pretty high cognitive load game. You're trying, you're asking people to consider a a very large tree of possibilities. Um, And it takes a lot of experience to learn how to winnow that tree down. I'm, I'm terrible at chess. I just don't have that particular skill set slash haven't played it enough. But, you know, to me, Garden Vow is a game that's very easy to learn, but has a higher cognitive load. You have to keep a bunch of things in mind all the time. Every time you're doing just about anything, you have to think, all right, what is the impact of this particular decision or, or of these, of the small set of decisions, you know, where I'm placing something, for example, what are the possibilities this is creating? What are the possibilities this is closing off? And I love that. I think that's brilliant that a game yeah. with such simple rules has that kind of complexity, but it does change for whom I'm recommending the game. Oh, absolutely. And I think, so I have this bar, I guess. We, we taught a couple friends Cascadia last year. Mm, uh, Cascadia is a fantastic game, kind of in the same vein. You know, it's a, it's a tile drafting and, and laying it out and you have to configure it in a certain way based on the scoring cards that are out there. This is a couple that we introduced this to that that plays zero games at all, no board games, and mm-hmm. and they really enjoyed this game. But I do think that was kind of the the bar, the standard of I don't I'm not going to introduce anything more complex than this, and I don't think Garden Bow is more complex than that. But it will it will make you think, and and you'll sit there for a while, and it's not a great game to have a conversation around the table because you really are thinking so much and so i think for that uh for for that couple that target couple that we taught that game to i don't think i would have introduced garden bow to them as a first game but one that might be a next step game again because of the the thinkiness and and the the amount of ap that it's going to induce uh yes (laughs) that was our friend they got very caught up in that and i mean they're they're kind of and frankly my sister's the same way right where they're just like all the possible wait let me think through all the possibilities but this particular friend we played with really likes to talk through it which is some given the fact that i was going to write about the game I'm like no oh, this is great keep going right? oh I, yeah I love this yeah. kind of feedback and your brain works differently than my brain so i'm getting another perspective here but they got very very caught up in the ap and i think if you did our like time of possession for the game, right. they dominated time of possession too, because they were just trying to go through all the possibilities. But they also said at the end, they loved it. They thought it was really brilliant and they were glad that I'd taken that one out. All three of us agreed. It was a really great game, yeah. but it's, it is a certain type of crowd and it's a certain, it's a certain type of night too. That's not a game. Honestly, I'm not drinking while I'm playing that game. Like that's right. probably a <laughs> yes. really bad choice. And there's plenty of games I'll play where I'm like, fine, bust it out. Uh, or sometimes a game's just really long. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to need a beer before this one is done. That's right. Gar- Garden Bow is not that game at all. Like, I need a clear mind to play this game. So when I was asking Keith about uh, a possibility for a top five list, we, we were going through different options. And one of the options I threw out there was a hoot and holler game, which you were like, what in the world is a 
is a hoot and holler game, which is just like a, you know, kind of this beer and pretzels type of game where it's just like, you know, crazy things are happening. Everyone's standing up and yelling at the table and, yeah. and ready, set, bet. That's be, exactly right. That's right. Exactly ready, set, bet right. was, I played that with, God, it was me, my daughter, my parents, and my mom is not a gamer at all. And then my sister, husband, their two kids, because it accommodates a lot of players. I just played the, the dice roller and stuff and just okay. like, leaned okay. into it and bit was ridiculous and narrating and stuff. And it was exactly like that. It, that's it. I was hooting. It was hooting and hollering. We were hooting and hollering all over the place. It was great. Every, but it was a hit. Right. And it was a game that my nephew at the time was six. So it's six to 75 ages at the yeah. table and everyone yeah. got into it. That's great. To me, that's a win. Oh yeah, so in, in Gartenbau is not that hoot and holler game, but I'm I'm curious, did was it a hit for everybody? Because Ready Set Bet is a game that I absolutely love, but it's not a hit for everybody that I've introduced this game to. My sister in law absolutely hated it. My wife wouldn't even play it, um, just because the, the it's so intense, and she doesn't love the real time games necessarily. Uh, uh, but this game was a, a huge hit for myself, my brother in law, and and pretty much most of the other people I've introduced it to. Yeah, it was a hit for everybody. So I said my mom does not generally like games, um, but she did like that one. Um, my nephew won. Um, and it was what at the end too, we sort of looked down because I think it was the four horse had won and he'd just kind of gone all in, right? Oh, just yeah. the simplest strategy, right? Oh, that horse is in the lead. I'm going to put all my bets on that. And he did. And I remember my sister looked at him and she's like, you little stinker. You just <laughs> won. And he like kind of looked at us like, wait, what just happened? Right? Like, because we're all looking at him too. And he's, it was almost like a, did I do something wrong? It's like, no, 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 you legit just won this game against a, almost all adults at the that table. That is fantastic. Yeah. By the way, that strategy never works for me. No. Ever. Or, or most people for that matter. The first no. game that I played of this, you, you play through four, four rounds of this, I think, right? Yeah, it's four rounds. Yeah. So the first time I played this game, I had, I finished with, I think, $6. Uh, six total, which is, I, I played this with uh, Steph Hodge. I think she may have had zero money at the end of the game, uh, if I remember right. So, <laughs> but that's because I was taking that strategy is I'm going all in. This horse is in the lead right now. I'm putting everything I have. And I did that all four rounds and it, it did not pay off. Does not work. No, no, <laughs> no. can confirm bad that's strategy. Right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So you got a game that you want to talk about. What is, which one you, you mentioned a couple I'm interested to see. Yeah. Let me talk about, uh, I was going to, talk a little bit about the wolves um which i really liked but let me talk about luxor because i've played it more too and it's not a new game um but it's a game from god it's gotta be five or six years ago right and i have it but i barely played it and we were just talking about it before uh before we started recording too and started playing it on board game arena um and i don't even remember what got me to start playing it again? I played it several years ago. I was like, "Hey, this is pretty good. I should, you know, play this more. I should break it out more." And then, for whatever reason, about three, four weeks ago, I should try that again, and just got very hooked, and was just playing it and playing it, and playing it. I had like it reached a little bit of a dead time in terms of work. I just finished my top one hundred prospects, which is a huge endeavor, and so I had a few days of just sort of quiet. And I was like, you know what? I need to do something that is not work no responsibility, right? Just take a little time to do that and started playing that and then did what I usually do with these games, which is I got very mad that I wasn't (laughs) winning and started playing it more and more. And you watch what the other play, you know, one thing about board game arena too. And I mean, it's true on Yukata and other sites, but you can 
really study what other people are doing. You play better players deliberately because you can see everybody's ratings and say, well, what are they doing that I'm not doing? And started doing some of that to figure out some of the things I was doing wrong. I haven't figured it all out because I still can get, you know, still play better players on there and pretty much always get waxed when I do so. And I'm still watching them. It's like, I think I'm doing the same thing you're doing, but clearly I'm not because I'm losing. (laughs) Um, But I really love, like, I feel like that game for various reasons unrelated to the gameplay itself has kind of flown under the radar. Like that's a pretty great midweight, maybe a little lighter than midweight game um, where, you know, for folks who haven't played it, you are trying to move your explorers around a spiral track. And as they stop on certain spaces, you may collect various bonuses. And most of the, uh, the better things you can collect will require you to get two or even three of your explorers on that space at the same time to collect a treasure tile that's worth points in and of itself. And for every set of three treasure tiles of the three different types, there's a set bonus. And those set bonuses increase the more sets that you collect. Um, And there are various other things as well. Um, But the other thing that really matters is moving all of your explorers Every, there are certain spaces you pass that allows you to unlock another explorer who then immediately goes back to the start, and then you have to move them forward as well. And there are points associated with getting your explorers further and further towards the center. The center spot is the most valuable, but even getting them into the inner spiral can be worth quite a lot of points uh, towards the end of the game. And I like the fact that there is a little bit of randomness. The way you move is based on a, a deck of cards that you can improve, um, but that does limit your options. You only have two card options at, on any particular turn for how much to move any one of your uh, meeples, whichever you want, but you only have those two choices. But you can see what the next few are. So you are planning a little bit, but you're also a little bit at the mercy of of the cards coming up in your deck. And, you know, to me that I think in a game like that helps balance it out a little bit, apparently doesn't balance it out enough for me to be the best <laughs> players, but, um, and I found it's, and also on, if you play it, a fast live game on BGA too, you can rip through a game in under 15 minutes easily. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's the kind of game I like, especially if it's during the work day. It's like, I've been writing or I've been on the phone for a bit. I have a little time, but I'm not going to take an hour. You know, trust me. I love playing some of the longer games on there when I have time the middle of the day, it's generally not an option. And so I love, you know what, I can rip through one of these games while I make a cup of coffee or something and do that. I, I just found it, it's, I found it really addictive, actually. And I don't say that about a lot of games. I love a lot of games, but that was a game where I'd lose them. Like, I want to play again. I immediately want to do it again. And like, oh, I know what I did wrong or what I, what didn't quite work out. So yeah, that was a really, a really great, game that was I, you know i i'm still a sucker for those midway games i've had people you know some some readers say you know you like the gateway games too much okay sure yeah right I, i'm not gonna apologize for that i like games that i can i love games that i can use to introduce other people to the hobby i yes. love that yeah. love having a good library of those games in the house or in my head where friends come over because trust me they all know now oh you 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 like you like games. Will you, will you play a game with us? Can we can we learn something? And you know, these are games. You know, Luxor is a good game like that where it's like, I can teach that game in a couple of minutes. You mentioned Cascadia. You can teach Cascadia really quickly. Oh that yeah, that game is genius yeah. for me. That's a top thirty game all time for me because it is another one super quick to teach. Looks great. Lots of replayability because of the different That's scoring right. cards. 
but there's a lot of strategy going on. That's my sweet spot, really, honestly. The the games, uh, and I find it's it is funny. You're exactly right. So if if you're in this hobby and you you know you're reading things on on the internet and people's reviews and all that, we can be very snobby. And it's almost like mm-hmm. you start off in this. Even the fact that we call it gateway games, like you start off in a gateway game that's a gateway to these much more complex and this is where you're going to end up. And I'm like, nope, you know, I, I, I don't really, there are some complex games that I enjoy and I'll actually talk about one when we, when we do our, our list later, mm-hmm. but that's not where I live. Um, I actually, I, for me, it's the experience and whether that's yeah. in a heavier game or it's in a lighter game, but a lot of times when you have a lighter game that offers exactly what you're saying, that the replayability, a lot of strategy and, and just like, Ooh, I could have done that so much better. I want to get that back to the table. That's that tends to be my sweet spot. Yeah, I I completely agree. I like I like a good complex game. I absolutely do. Um, but I one you have you need the right players to right. be able to play that. Not everybody enjoys those games. Not everybody's willing to take the time to learn a game like that. And I don't blame anybody who says, you know, who sees a, one of Uwe Rosenberg's worker placement games and sees a twenty page rule book and it's like, nope, yeah, right. I, I get that. Um, and there, you know, if you look, I, I do my, do lists every year of my favorite games. The complex games I like the most are, are still not that hard to learn. They're a little more complex to play. You know, I think of Red Cathedral as another one. That's not a hard game to learn. That's a hard game to play well, very hard game to play well, I think. Um, but that is, there's not a ton, there are not a ton of rules to learn to play that, the base game, at least the contractor's expansion, it does add a lot of complexity in my, oh, yeah. at yeah. least like, but, you know, generally for, we have kids, the kids are busy. If any combination of people in this house are playing a game, especially on a weeknight, it's short. If we have friends over, not many of our friends are, are super into board games. They like to play games, but they don't know a lot of games. So what game are you busting out there? And then you're thinking, what's the game I'm going to bring out that's going to add to the social experience? It's not just about playing the game, right? It's everyone needs to have a good time. If you're doing that and people finish and they, you know, they didn't enjoy the game, you probably haven't had the best social experience either, unless the game is just terrible and you all decide to make fun of it the rest of right. the Right. We've had a few of those. But that's what I want. I always want to bring out a game where people at the end will say, they'll say they really enjoyed the game, and what they really mean is they enjoyed the whole experience, right? They enjoyed playing the game, but they enjoyed the social experience at the table. And that's to me, when, when people I know who don't know board games at all kind of ask what the appeal of the hobby is, the answer I give, this isn't the only reason, but the biggest thing I like about it is it brings people together at a table, socially, without the phone, without, you know, we don't need devices, we're not watching something, we don't need a screen. What's happening is at the table and we're talking. Co-op or competitive, it doesn't matter. We are being social, we're being together in a very kind of old school, organic way. And I, I love that. And there are not a lot of things that, that appeal to most people that do that, that can bring people together. You know, one, one is food, which I also really enjoy. Right. <laughs> and a, another is, is a board game. To me, that's a great night where if we do that, if we have a meal and then play a game with some guests, that's, that sounds like a great evening for, you know, makes me sound very middle-aged, but yeah, that sounds like a, <laughs> sounds like a great night to me. Maybe we are, you know, maybe that's, that's the phase of life we're in, but, mm-hmm. but the truth is you're right. Also my back hurts. So that's <laughs> You combine those two things: a food and uh, a food and, and board games, and that that is a great night. But but I, I have kids. I have I have a ten year old and I have a seven year old, 
and they're not going to necessarily go out of their way to to say, hey, dad, I really want to play a board game. They, they like video games. Now, sometimes they will. My youngest one, especially, he'll he'll ask for board games a lot more. But when they sit down and play it, they love it. They have a blast. And, and they it, and it is that's the whole experience. It's the it's the time with family and all of that. Um, now, once our 10 year old is he's going to middle school next year. So some of that might change. Uh, who knows? But there's still that that element of of there's nothing there's nothing like this out there, you know, because we're we're sitting in front of a TV, we're playing video games, we're you know whatever that is, and you know in our tablets or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that that really didn't make me sound sound old. Our tablets yeah. and you our kids t- get off my lawn. And <laughs> back in my day, we had three channels and we liked it. <laughs> That's right. So. Yeah, I, I'm with you. So Luxor really does, it offers all of that experience that you're talking about. By a designer, Rudiger Dorn, that I, I really enjoy. Uh, Istanbul, uh, Goa is another one that I, I enjoy. Um, and Luxor is a fun game. I, I recommend that one. It actually was a was a Spiel des Jahres nominee, too. Yeah, it was a finalist, is, right? Yeah. That's right. That's right. So it's funny that it, it doesn't get as much love as what it does. And it, it also, I think, probably maybe encourage games like, like Scout, like... Uh, what's the other one I recently played where you have to, oh, oh, well, Bonanza kind of, I guess, encouraged these, but the, I have all these cards in my hand and I have to leave them in this order. Um, I actually hate the idea of that, but I love those games. Right. Oh yeah. Scout sounds like a terrible idea for a game and it's awesome. I I love that game. I'm absolutely throwing that in the suitcase for my uh, spring training trip. Oh yeah. that That friend of mine I know really likes it, but also that's a game I can play with any, legit anybody. You can teach anybody that game in a couple of minutes and it's a tiny box. I love Oink games, all their tiny box games. That's awesome. Like, it's like, you know, me, yeah. you know, I travel, you know, I need something I can throw in the, in the backpack. It's great. Yeah. Scout is amazing. It was at Gen last year. I, the moment I, God, was I there? I wasn't quite there on time for the actual opening on Thursday, but the moment I got there, dropped my stuff at the hotel, walked right to the exhibition hall, went directly to Oink games booth. And bought that game because I was like, "This is going to sell out." That's it had been unavailable, yeah, in the U.S. for for forever. I don't know if there was ever an actual U.S. printing or if it was just imports, but whatever. I was like, "I'm buying this game day one because if I don't leave with this game, the whole convent whole convention's a failure. I just completely missed." And yes, I bought the game and I went back. I popped back on Friday or Saturday, and it was sold out. Oh yeah, yeah, I I totally get that. We, we I've got a buddy, um, Jay Bell. He's a uh, designer. And he was in England at the time that that I kind of was hearing about this game. And he was like, hey, I, I found some copies of Scout. So he sent some of them back for us. I was real thankful for oh, that. That's, that's awesome. A, that's a great game. All right. Speaking of great games, we're going to get to our top five roll and write or flip and write games. Hey! Okay, Keith, I'm going to go ahead and say... I I regret having offered this as one of the options because this <laughs> I think is going to be the hardest of the list because I had to leave so many off. I, I'm in this. Yeah, same. I'm in this roll and write and flip and write kick. I've been this way for the past I think two months. I've just been trying to play all of these games that I possibly can, and so there's a lot a lot of these games that I've played and I, I could have done a top twenty list, and so I'm I'm a little bummed, and I'm I'm probably going to have to give a, a few. Uh, a few extras along the way just so that they get mentioned because I feel bad for leaving them off a, a top five list. Yep. I, I felt the same way. Actually, it was funny because um, 
gosh, Phil Walker Harding has his trio of flip and rights. And I was like, God, I could put all three of those on there and not be wrong. I didn't, I ended up only putting one, but yeah, this is, I mean, God, you could put the, the clever series. I mean, there are four games. I've only played three. Like those are all great. I mean, there, there's been a real explosion in these games the last three, four years. And I love it. I'm here for it. Another set, just another mechanic that generally very easy to teach people. Not all the, you know, now we've gotten some more complex roll and rights, which is great too. Um, people have gotten more ambitious in the designs, but the vast majority of these games, you can kind of teach anybody. And I mean, most people have played like Yahtzee or Kismet or other games like that. So they get it. They know what a roll and write is on some level. Um, you know, to me, I, sometimes I explain I'm like, yeah, you know, you know what Yahtzee is. Okay. But this is actually good. you're gonna feel bad if Yahtzee was on my list and I'm gonna go ahead and say Keith so Yahtzee is one of the games and the listeners know this Yahtzee is one of the games that got me into the hobby and I still play it it actually was number six on my list and I hated that no kidding oh yeah yeah and in fact so my parents uh, my parents are big Farkle fans Uh, they're both retired so they play a lot of Farkle they play a lot of Yahtzee my mom texted me a picture of her Yahtzee score sheet last week because she had four Yahtzees in that game. Her score was like 600 or something. I mean, I had never oh, wow. seen anything like this before. Um, and, and I was so pumped. And, and so, yeah, that, that was my number six. It's, it's the honorable mention number one. And you hate Yahtzee. I am not Most a Yahtzee fan. Nope. Okay. <laughs> no. Played it a lot as a kid. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. When I was a kid, the games in my house were pretty boring, right? Monopoly and Scrabble and Clue and... Um, you know, I remember getting Games Magazine as a teenager and reading even about things like Acquire. And I was like, what is this? This sounds great. And I do I actually still have my copy of Acquire from the 80s. Oh, the good um, version, the probably. Old, yeah, the old, like, I guess it was like teal-ish or, you know, turquoise-ish box. Um, falling apart. It's been just, I can't even count how many times that game's been moved around the country, but I will, right? You can pry it from my cold, dead hands. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to let you as the guest, go ahead and, and give your number five, I guess, because I've already given my number six. So I actually have two games in my top five here that came out at some point last year, which I, I hope isn't just recency bias, but this was my, one of my Gen Con games from last year. It's Get On Board, New York and London which I think was originally called Let's Make a Bus Route in the Japanese version and then was uh, republished in the United States um, in English as Get On Board. And it is one of the best examples I've seen of taking a flip and write game and adding something to it. So it's not just a flip and write. In the heart of the game, you're flipping over a series of cards with numbers on them that for each player indicates some different shape that you're going to uh, place on the central board as you build a bus route on a map of, uh, I think it's New York if you're two or three players and it's London if you're four or five players. Um, And then you are, but you are doing, as you craft your bus route and it hits just a straight line all around, not straight line, but a, a continuous line all around the city map, you are going to pass various landmarks or various people, various things that lets you mark off things on your particular score sheet. And so it's, it ends up being, there's that extra element of route building um, and trying to, it's a little, little pickup and delivery on this central map that everyone is working on, but your score sheet is just your score sheet. And every time a card gets flipped over too, if you flip over the six, that might mean three straight pieces on a street for you. But for me, it means making a U shape, for example, three pieces in it's sort of up and then to the right and then back down or, or the mirror of that. And 
So it allows everyone to play at the same time on the same map, but you're going to bump into each other a little bit, certainly, but there's, you're, we're all going to be working towards different things uh, on individual turns. And we do have some unique personal objectives too for spots we've got to hit on the map over the course of the game. So it allows everyone to kind of have the shared central experience, but also to be working individually on their score sheet towards different things. And it also means it's kind of hard to know until the very end too, who actually won. You can sometimes sort of have a sense, but until everyone turns over that private objective too, that's a little bit of a big twist uh, towards the end. And that's another one I've played on, on board game arena and brought to the table a bunch of times too. And, and pretty easy to teach, but definitely rewards a couple of replays too, when you really get the rhythm down and realize, Oh wait, there are certain things I need to do early to make sure I'm still able to do them towards the end of the game. Right, right. Okay. I'm glad you said this was on BGA. I have not played this. I haven't played get on board either. Um, this is by Sashi and Sashi. And actually we talked about this on the show uh, not that long ago before John left it. And this is one of the ones that I said, Ooh, I really want to try this one. Both of them. Um, mm-hmm. It's beautiful too. I, I love the look of that. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's a, okay. it, the art in a lot of their games. Um, it, you know, the, uh, I think it's the, he's the coffee roaster guy also. right? That's right. That's, that's why we were talking about the game. Yeah. I have the original coffee roaster. I traded for it several oh, years wow. ago. And I think for pure solitaire games, that's my all time. That's my number one. Okay. All yeah. right. I, I, I say that as a coffee guy too. So. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Yes, me too. Um, okay, well, I'm going to put that on my list. I'm going to, I'll have to get a game of that started on BGA as well to, to check that one out. Um, my number five is the lightest game on here. This is a game that is pretty new as well. It's a 2021 release that's Rolling Realms mm. by Stonemeyer Games. And I, I like this one for a couple reasons. One, it's simple. This is, um, I mentioned Yahtzee. Uh, Quicks is another one that's a family game that my, my family mm-hmm. has liked quite a bit. And uh, Rolling Realms fits in that category. Now, it does have a, a different extra layer of uh, of not being an approachable game. And that's because the theming of it is Stonemaier games. So like you take three cards in each game and each card represents a, a Stonemaier game. So you might have Tapestry or Scythe or Charterstone and, or, or you know all three of those. And you're going to roll two dice and you're going to mark two spots matching the numbers on that. And that's, that's it. But the way that you score is you're trying to get stars. You get the stars by unlocking these different things and each card that you have out in the game is real thematic now here's why the game made my number five it's a fun game just like that i really enjoy it but the solo of this one i think is fantastic and so unique because they do it in a in a golf style scoring so Mm -hmm. it gives you a it says you have to get let's say eight stars to beat the game this time okay if I get the eight stars, then I can advance on to hole two, and that's just one stroke. So I, I, I have a one. If parse two, you know, I shot a birdie on that hole. If I didn't finish it, then I play it again, and if I finish it that time, then I get a stroke two. And I just thought that was so clever because the games are so quick. You can play a game in, uh, I don't know, like 10, 15 minutes or something like that. It says 30 minutes on here, but solo, each game takes much less time than that. I, I enjoy the theme because I like board games and I like Stonemeyer games. But I just think it's and, and he's introduced lots of other games to it as well. I think uh, Honey Buzz and uh, maybe Terra Mystica, or, you know, there's different sets of these mm-hmm. cards that you can get. Real small box game, really simple. Again, the, the lightest of all the ones that I'll talk about today, but I enjoy it. That's Rolling Realms. Have you played this one? 
I have not actually, and I love Stonemeyer games, but I think when that one was coming out, I was just kind of buried under other copies. And Jamie's great about review copies and such, but I was like, I'm not going to get to this for a while. So give this to someone who who is going to be able to review it sooner. If you if you tr- if you play solo games when you travel and you want a yeah, small I box do. game, this yep. is it. I, I really think if you if you and you like lighter games, it seems like so. Um, it, it's it is light, but also like it's challenging. So I. I, I enjoy it. I recommend it. It was a awesome. it was a free print and play when it first came out. It was kind of like a here's a game to play since you're locked down in COVID. Right. And then he decided to publish it. And I, I love that idea too. I thought that was so cool. Yep. Awesome. Um, so you're number four. Uh, so I think this is the probably the lightest game on my list. And so I mentioned before the the clever series. And I have played three of them. I haven't played the fourth one. I don't know if the fourth one's actually out in North America. I believe it's come out in Europe already. But I still have a really soft spot for the first one. That's pretty clever, also known as Ganz schön clever, um, which was a Spiel nominee. Um, They're all good. I think I would go first one, third one, second one in that order. But they all adhere to the same general formula, which is you have six dice, five in colors, one is white. You roll them all on your particular turn. You will choose one die to use to mark off one of the five areas, colored areas on your score sheet. And you uh, then take, set aside any dice that are lower than the one you chose, roll the rest, choose another die, mark something off, do the same thing one more time. So you will, if you do it correctly, get to mark off three spots on your score sheet or use three dice specifically to mark off spots on your score sheet. Each of the five areas scores and gets marked off in some unique way. And there are many, many spaces on there where either from an individual space or from finishing like a row or column or something in an area gives you a bonus that lets you usually in most cases mark something else off. And so you can build these bonus chains that are extremely satisfying, I have to say. That is, to me, that's the big appeal of this, and lots of other games have done this uh, subsequently, but I feel like that was the game that really nailed it, got the idea of building these chains that, one, allows you to maximize your score, and two, is the most fun part of the game, too, is creating, even though you're dealing with dice here, too, there is a little strategy. What do I do? Which, Which die do I choose? What do I mark off now? What do I save so that it's still available a little bit later because I'm trying to get something more more valuable or I'm trying to keep my options open. And I feel like uh, Wolfgang Varsh, who designed all of those games as well as The Mind and The Quacks of Quedlinburg, uh, he took this whole genre forward with that game. And so I'm also putting this on my list using the original because I think it it had the greatest influence. I think that game was such a success and sold well and there's even a great app you can get from the Brettspiel Welt guys that's like three dollars um that works great as a solo game and this works great at the table as a solo game too that he took this genre forward and there is a little bit to me a bit of a, a, a an inflection point after that game appeared we started to see more of the explosion where i think other designers and other publishers publishers realized, hey, there's a pretty good market for these. People really like these. Lower price point, smaller um, you know, smaller box, solo play, easy to teach, 
very appealing, very satisfying. It just checks so many boxes. That's a terrible pun that I did not actually intend to make. (laughs) It literally does though. It literally (laughs) does. Yes. And it was, what was interesting about this particular game, just to conclude on this, I haven't quite seen this for the other ones, but my wife and I both got very hooked on the app version as well. And finally I looked online. It's like, there's gotta be a maximum score, right? Mathematically. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we figured out what it was. We never got there because you'd have to just get a bunch of sixes essentially. Like there's, there is some limitation, but we got close enough that we're both like, I think we've at least for solo play, like, I think we've done it right. We, we both got over 300. I think the max was 330 something. Okay. You know what? That's good. Now it's different, a little different competitively, but in terms of playing it on the app that we got to a point where it's like, yeah, I think we've, we have won against the game. Yeah. Yeah. This game was like Wordle for a while with everyone posting their scores. And it it was, you know, this badge of honor, if you got 300 points, which I never did reach. I I think so took us so long. Don't feel bad. (laughs) Well, and I kind of got burned out because I was playing it so, so much. I think it was like 280 something. I'd have to go back and look, but it's probably 280 something was, was my high, which I felt really good about, but yeah, but yeah, this is a, a game, um, that that has had an impact you're absolutely right and it was such such a hit it was talked about and and i think that was it was so cool how it, it brought that the gaming community together because everybody was playing it at the same time it, it really was like wordle in that sense where everybody was was talking about it so mm-hmm. great pick gone shown cliffa that we we always we we get corrected on how we said that on ah. the show in the past so uh you said it correctly but i i did not in the past. <laughs> All right, my number. Th- what are we on? Three, four. This is my number four. Is a flip and write that I think you can play on BGA if I remember right. That is Welcome to, mm-hmm. uh, or Welcome to Your Perfect Home. I think is what it says on the box. So this is a game where you flip over a card and you're going to be drawing these. Uh, Uh, numbers into your neighborhood so you flip over a card and it will give you a one card will have a number on one side and it'll have a symbol on the other side and so you're using the symbol to take an action and the number to write in uh, a house number and you have to write those in sequential order in the three different streets that you have and then you're trying to score points based on blocking off the different houses and and marking off different spots on your board based on the you know how many pools do you have or or uh do you have a a blocked off section of three sets of three houses or something like that so there's lots of ways you can score points in this game as well now I, i really enjoyed the base game of this i think it's fantastic but they've really expanded this quite a bit and so they have different seasonal uh, expansions for this there's a halloween version there's a, uh, a, a apocalyptic version and christmas lights and there's a welcome to the moon and welcome to vegas there's so many different options for this game but just the base game itself has been such a hit uh with with i've introduced this to a, a decent amount of non-gamers and they've they've really enjoyed this and wanted to play it uh back to back to back but it's also it's not necessarily a really light game it's let's see a weight of 1.83 so that's light but it it feels a little bit heavier for introducing for new gamers but but i have not had any issues with with introducing this to to new people so that's welcome to it might be somewhere else on my list okay all right all right well then then we can hold off the discussion (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so my number three then uh, is the other game that came out last year, and it is Three Sisters, which is from the duo that did Fleet the Dice game and their Motor City. Actually, just speak, we were talking about 25th century games that just came from 25th century a week or so ago. It is still in the shrink wrap. I haven't even busted it open yet. Ooh, okay, um, all right. Uh, but they're great. They're they're great dudes, and they they do great games. And Three Sisters, um, I think it's the most complex. Uh, or at least heaviest weight of the five games I put on my list here. It's not the heaviest uh, roll and write or flip and write I've ever played. I would say, I mean, I've played Twilight Inscription, which is its own category, I think, for that, which is, it's good. That's probably a bit much for me. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I think if you've played also Dinosaur Island Roar and Write, which is great, which was my number six. Okay, um, yeah, I, that would have been top 10 for me, probably. Three Sisters to me is about the same general weight they they work differently but you're you're in the same ballpark i would say at least in terms of complexity and three sisters one one thing i love about this game is that they took you know the three sisters is a uh, an agricultural practice that dates back to mesoamerican people from thousands of years ago where you grow corn beans and squash together because they uh they they all work together to form their own little, I forget what the term, it's a polyculture, where the beans, any kind of legumes, take nitrogen from the air and fix it in the soil, which provides fertilizer for other plants. The corn uses that nitrogen, forms a natural trellis for the beans to climb. Beans, I I do a lot of gardening too. If you give your beans a trellis, they produce something like 40% more uh, peas or or bean pods or whatever uh, the plant is. And the squash forms a natural ground cover to deprive weeds of sunlight so there's less competition for the resources in the soil. Um, so they took that, made a game out of it, even worked with some cultural consultants to make sure that they were sort of handling this appropriately because it does come from indigenous peoples and built a game that uh, where it's, you, this is a two score sheet game too. You're working on one that is your actual garden and one that has things like your shed and the chance for you to also mark off uh, fruit trees or other particular bonuses. And I love the number of possibilities you get in this game. Oh, yeah. Um, And you're making a lot of decisions, but you generally don't end up stuck or trapped to. You can reverse course a little bit or change over the course of the game, but you just get to check off. uh, If you, especially over multiple plays, you can try so many different things and there are multiple paths to winning, whether you're playing it solo or you're playing it competitively, there are lots of different strategies that you can take. And I find this game incredibly satisfying to play. Um, it is probably the only roll and write game that has kept my wife and I up to the point where it's like, oh my God, we need to go to bed. Like we have oh. to stop playing this game. Yeah. But we just kept it. She's like, one more, no, we got to do this again one more time. <laughs> like I didn't do this and I want to do this instead. And there's very little that, we played this with that same friend that we played Garten Bow with. And the only thing I said was, um, there's one thing I think you really have to do, which is make sure you're getting the squash or the pumpkins around the outside right. of your garden because of the bonuses that you get from those. That's it. Everything else is basically open. It's the only thing in the game that I think you really need to focus on doing. And there's, there's a couple other reasons for that, but basically everything else is wide open. There's so many different paths and the, the, there's a section of this called the shed that lets you get all kinds of different tools. Some are one-time bonuses, some are recurring bonuses, some are in-game bonuses. And that's a big part of where all the choices come in. You've just got lots of options, Um, but it's not a two hour game either. 
That's right. It's a half hour or so. You know, I yeah. mentioned Twilight Inscription. It's another game with a zillion options, but it's also like an hour and a half. I play that solo and it took me well over an hour to do. Um, not to mention it, my usual game table downstairs was not big enough for Twilight Inscription. Um, to me, three, three Sisters is great solo, great to throw in the suitcase, high replay value. Um, and again, just a really, really smart design that does a great job of integrating its theme into the actual gameplay too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with all those things. It's interesting. A lot of, a lot of flip and write, roll and write games can kind of be on rails. Isn't the right word, but there's not necessarily a ton of options to, to score points. And three sisters is an exception to that. It really does offer, like you said, so many options. And in fact, there's not too many games in general that give you a little space on your board to be able to write down notes. Yes. And you, and you need to, right? You need to write down notes. My wife uses that religiously. I do and too. After she started, I was like, yeah, it's probably a good idea. Actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I will say I have played, I have played Motor City mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and Fleet the Dice game. All three of those could have made my top five, I think, but mm-hmm. I can't do that, right? Like, that's no. not interesting. And so I picked one of those that will be on my list in a little while, but Three Sisters is the most complex of those. Ah, it's so good. It is so good. You're absolutely, this is a great pick. All right. My number, what am I on? Number three is uh, Raja of the Ganges, the Dice Charmers. Now, this is Inca and Marcus Brand, some designers that I really like, that also designed uh, Raja of the Ganges, (laughs) the board game, uh, which I enjoy. I really like Raja of the Ganges. At one point, it was on my top 50 games. The funny thing about Dice Charmers, though, is it really does give you a lot of that same feel in a shorter package. And there are some things that I actually prefer to the to the dice game than to the to the main game i uh, so dice tower uh tom from dice tower did the review of this one and said why would i ever play this if i can just play the board game which i get that for a lot of games but this is an exception for me where there's times where i'm like "Mm, i would really just rather play this um it's faster and it offers some some different options and so this is a dice drafting just uh like a lot of the games that we're talking about i guess Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a dice drafting game where you're going to take a die and mark something on your board. If you played Raja of the Ganges or, or Ark Nova for that exa- for, for that matter, where you have a an income track and you have a victory point track. And when those two meet is when you are going to trigger the end of the game and, and potentially win. You want that to happen. You want those two to overlap more because you're going to score points that way. That, it works the exact same way. I, I really like a lot of things about this game. The dice drafting, I think, is a lot of fun. I like the way that it scores. I like this map that you have where you're going around to these different buildings, and when you reach those buildings, it will give you more victory points only. It, it'll give you one anyway, but if you have uh, if you have moved up on the track that allows you to get three points for meeting those buildings, then that engine will really pay off because you can fly around the track a lot faster but you have to plan it out and, and, and think, well, if I'm going to move up on this track, I really need to make sure I hit all of these buildings so that I can get a lot of points. Uh, there's sailing in this one, just like there is in the original version of the game, where when you reach different spots, it's going to move up different tracks. Like again, like a lot of roll and rights, but this one just hits all the sweet spots for me. I enjoy the physical copy. This one's actually on Utah too. And so, uh, Yukata and, and it's, it's a lot of fun. If, if you're into async games, I really recommend checking it out on there. 
I have never played this one. I like uh, Rajas, the original, quite a bit. Um, talk about a game that I was terrible at the first few times I played oh, it. And yeah, I'm still I, terrible at it. <laughs> I was just very determined to get better. Now, of course, I haven't played it in a while, so I'm sure I've forgotten a lot of what I'd figured out. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I'll definitely check that. Actually, as we're talking, I put this on my uh, want-in-trade list over on Board Game Geek because uh, the one that's just also where I keep track of stuff. Um, but that's, uh, definitely one I want to pick up because I like the, um, cause I like the original game so much. Um, yeah. and I love that the, this was the Rajas was the first game. Arc Nova has it too. It was the first game I ever played that had that tracks. Of course, I'm trying to do it in the air, which are listeners yeah. <laughs> see, right. But the two tracks that were, you're trying to get them to cross. That's literally it. When the first player has their two markers cross each other, um, the game ends, um, which can also often, at least in the, in the regular board game kind of catch you by surprise that's right that's right and that's that's the other unique piece about this is that that racing element this is a race game where yeah. you're racing to get to to that point first and and i like that I, I i like racing in games like that because it feels so tense when you look over and see somebody just got six points and moved you know a, a quarter of the way across one of the one of the sides of the board they felt really good, but then you start getting this really, you know, sick feeling in your stomach, like, oh, I got to do something really big to catch up to them. My number two uh, is, I mentioned Phil Walker Harding, so he's got that trio of games, um, th- trio of flipping rights. There's Super Mega Lucky Box, which I think would probably be, if I let my family vote, um, that would probably be their choice. Uh, Explorers, which came out a year and a half ago or so. And then my personal favorite was the first of the three. That might be why also uh, silver and gold, um, which I just think is absolutely brilliant. And it is a uh, flip and write where the, what you're writing, you're flipping through a deck of cards. Um, There are eight of them. You'll only flip through seven of them in each round randomly. And each has a small polyomino shape on it. Um, of two, I think it's two to four squares. And then you will at any point in front of you have some number of cards with larger shapes on them that you will be trying to fill out by placing these, by marking off the exact shapes that are on the cards that you flip. And there are certain bonuses you get, like such as being able to mark off another box for free, or you may be collecting certain stars or palm trees for other bonuses. But I love the way, first of all, I like most games that involve some polyomino things like that just maybe because my age, because of Tetris or because my brain that just kind of speaks to me, but also you have to think ahead too. what are the other cards that are in the deck recognizing one of them's not going to show up this round, but can I plan accordingly? So I hope I get this particular shape that will let me finish off this card and let me, uh, you know, cause when you finish a card, there's a particular point bonus associated with that so there's a huge reason to try to finish as many cards as you can Um, and some of them even give you bonuses for other cards that you finish of certain types so that is really the main goal Um, and that is the simplest thing to explain to people too the first time you're playing you can say look you can you don't even have to worry about say the palm trees for example number one thing you're just trying to fill out these shapes right if you just focus on that in your first game you won't win but you'll play and you'll get the game and then you'll be able to add on top of that some of the other things that you're doing. Uh, it's also highly portable. Um, I think it is the simplest of the three. I thought Explorers, I liked it, but it was a little too complicated for, for its type, not for me, but for the type of game that it is. Um, and Super Mega Lucky Box kind of sits in the middle. Um, that's the Super Mega Lucky Box is a game I recommend to parents with like 
kids in that like kind of age, I don't know, seven to 12 range. They're looking for a family game um, because it's kind of, plus if your kids have ever played bingo, they can figure out super mega lucky box. It's not that much difference, like smart bingo. Uh, but to me, silver and gold is just a touch more. There's a little bit more going on. And, um, and like I said, I love the polyomino game. So I am a very big fan of that and, and have been since I first got it. God, what is that? Three plus years ago. Yeah, I actually just played this for the first time maybe two months ago, hmm. Silver and Gold. And it's the only one of these I've played. In fact, so you added one to your wish list. I just added a Super Mega Luggy Box. It's it's one I've, I've heard a ton about, mm-hmm. but I just, for some reason, I haven't checked this one out. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to look into that. But yeah, Silver and Gold, I, I overlooked that one for a long time. It's been out for a minute and, mm-hmm. and I just, uh, 2019, I think is what it's, what it said. Yeah, I think I got it at Gen Con that year. Yeah, and you can, it, this one's on sale a lot. You know, Target even has it, or had mm-hmm. it anyway for a while. Um, I just, I never got it to the table, but this, that's a great pick. I enjoy that. This was actually on my short list as well. Mm-hmm. All right, my number two is a game in the um, Riddle Pinchback um, <laughs> vein. And I put Fleet the Dice Game is my pick. Um, but again, honestly, any of those three could have made it. If if I have to rank these, by the way, and I, I'm jumping ahead, I know I shouldn't do this right now, but if <laughs> I had to rank these, I probably would say Fleet the Dice Game because I like the theme. Ah, uh, 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 I can't say that. I love the theme of all of those. I take that back. <laughs> yeah, I take that back. But it is the first one that I played of all of these. And so maybe that there's a, some sentimental value there. And I really enjoy Fleet, the the, the card game. So... I would put that first, probably I would put maybe Motor City second and then Three Sisters third, but only because of the complexity. I think they're really close and I really, really like all of these games, but I think the the Three Sisters is a little bit too much for some people that I've played it with, mm-hmm. uh, it, which is, you know, understandable because of, of how much it, that's going on. But Fleet the Dice game what you are doing it's dice drafting like the like the other ones are and you're going to be checking off these different um first you you have fish on the left side along with boats and licenses for those fish and then on the right side you have all of your engine building stuff your your wharf and your harbor and your uh, the marketplace where you're going to be able to get coins on the left side, you kind of have this phase, this fishing phase first, where you're not the fishing phase, it's the boat phase, I think is what it's called. You're going to take a die, and if it matches, it's going to match one of the fish that's listed on there. If it's a lobster, then I'll mark the next box in the lobster category. And then at some point, you're going to be launching boats of those types, and you're going to be um, filling out licenses for uh, for those fish as well. And the licenses will give you different, sometimes some some scoring at the end, but most of the time it's when this thing happens, this thing happens because you have this license. So when you do an income phase, you get more money if you have lobster or, you know, whatever. Then you do that phase, you do your income phase, you do your fishing phase, which is where you get fish into all your boats. And each one of those is going to be worth points at the end of the game. And then you'll do your right side of the board phase, which is again, your, uh, a different type of license for a king crab, or you might be uh, building these different buildings that, kind of like the shed in three sisters the way that you described that very similar these all have similar feels to them all all three of these games they're all dice drafting 
And I don't know if you necessarily need all of them, but I have all of them and I'm going to keep all of them because I really, <laughs> I do think that they're very, they're different enough for me and I, I like it. I like it, but I like all of them. So that is, that's Fleet the Dice Game. And you've played this one, but not Motor City, you said, right? I, right. Um, and I haven't played this one enough to really, and um, to put it on the list, to rank it at all. Um, I really want to, uh, want to get a few more plays in before, um, not for this list, but just in general, before having an opinion. Basically, when I did, when I reviewed Three Sisters so positively too, a number of my readers came back and was like, what about Delete the Dice Game? At that point, I hadn't played it, didn't have it. Um, and so I was like, well, clearly I need to get this. Um, and uh, yeah, I also love all three of those games are in basically the same size box too. So they look very nice on the shelf together. Like Riddle and Pinchback have their own little section in my game collection at yes. this point. And they, they should feel free to continue to add to it. Yeah, and they will. The French Quarter is the fourth one coming out, which I'm pretty excited about that. Awesome. I don't know. I did when, not know I'm that. assuming it's going to be a Kickstarter too. I don't know much about the release or anything like that, but there, I think there are even some gameplay videos out there. If I remember. Oh, cool. So, Very cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm a fan. They do great stuff. Well, I guess I kind of already uh, spoiled my number one. It's Welcome To. Um, it, it is absolutely brilliant. Another one, everyone I've introduced that game to really loves it. Um, I agree with you. I think Welcome to the Moon is also really great. Um, my daughter and I played a, an import version of that at PAX Unplugged in 21. Um, yeah, I think it was in 21 and had been looking to score a copy for a year plus, finally did get a copy. Um, and I think it's really great. I do. I think Welcome to You is a little better for me because it's a little simpler. Um, I'm going to go through the gameplay because you just explained it. Uh, I will just say I find the original has huge replay value every time you do it because of the number of cards and because of the way that it works together in, in pairs of number, uh, you know, a, a house number, and then a, a type of something that you're going to get to check off too. It is in, every game is going to end up playing out differently. And I find that that puzzle aspect too where you have to mark off all the houses in order. And there are ways you can get out of that, obviously, by, by taking a penalty. But that generally you're trying to fill in your streets in order as much as you possibly can is really the heart of the challenge for me. The part that I end up enjoying the most is that it's almost like a, you're, you're playing chicken a little bit with the deck of cards too, right? Do I, mark, do I use that eight right now? Am I going to regret that? Am I going to need that later? Wait, do I put it here? Do I put it here? Wait, what are the odds? Of, of these numbers coming up versus these numbers coming up. And that just never gets old for me like that. I, I absolutely love that. Um, uh, love that aspect of the game. Um, I've played the Vegas one. I didn't like it as much. It's fine. I haven't um, played that one. I did. Yeah. Welcome to the moon is the, is the only other one I've played. And welcome to the moon. I, I the expansion stuff, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome. And I have a couple of the other pads, like the zombie pad. Um, or was it the, the Christmas one? Those are clever. Those are good. I will always go back to the original. I, in general, um, am not a big expansions guy. There are a handful of games that I think are absolutely made better or different enough by certain expansions, like Carcassonne's Traders and Builders, to me, takes a great game and makes it a slightly different great game. Um, you know, There's a few like that. I almost always default back to original games. If I love the original, then it's probably it was probably good enough. Welcome to the Moon does something different enough where it's it's truly a different game with the same general idea and that you're you're trying to essentially complete these missions and complete things in a certain order changes things enough that 
I also like it and just view it as a as a, a different game and like a very worthy standalone sequel to the original. But to me, Welcome to is um, you know, it was very much a game changer. That is a pun I did kind of intend there. I'm sorry. Um, you know, and that to me was, I don't know if it was actually the first flip and right, but it is the canonical flip and right for me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of buzz around this one when it came out, just of, uh, so many people love this game. I'm not looking at it right now, but my guess is this is probably, yeah, it's ranked 150 overall. Um, so this is a well, a well-loved game for mm-hmm. sure. And my number one is by far my heaviest one not as heavy as twilight inscription i don't think although i've not played twilight inscription but this is hadrian's wall this is a garfield games game and i did i i I saw this one for a while and really i don't know when people describe it as being such a heavy game sometimes that's a turnoff actually a lot of times that's a turnoff for me if it's such a heavy game although i really like roman roll which is another one that was a, a short list game for me and I thought, well, surely it's not heavier than than Roman Roll. And so I pick it up and read through the rules. And it's not really that bad. The gameplay itself is actually pretty simple. You're going to flip over a card that tells you what meeples that you get. There's uh, four different color meeples, and then there's a building resource as well. You also have some engine building where you can get more of, of different color meeples and, and resources. And I, and then after you do that, then everybody's just going to spend all of their stuff and mark off boxes based on the meeples that you're spending. So if I spend a yellow meeple, I'll move up on one of the citizen tracks. And, and if I spend a resource, then I'm going to build part of the wall. It's really simple, the gameplay itself. But where it gets difficult is on the... Uh, there, there's two big sheets of paper and the right side is your citizen tracks. And that's where it gets really complex because all of the different citizen tracks do very different things. And you're not only moving up the tracks, but on top of that, you're also having to unlock and pay for different things to unlock them. So one of them is a gladiator track. And so you first off, you have to be able to get so far on your citizen, a specific citizen track for you to unlock your arena. Then you pay to unlock your arena. Then you're paying to upgrade your gladiators and then they're battling. So it's like this thing has to happen before this thing happens. But there's, uh, I don't know, seven tracks like that. And each track has two different areas that are at least two different areas that you're unlocking and, and doing different things for. The one thing I love about this game and it is the the simplicity, and I know that sounds really dumb, but it is a very simple game, but you can completely avoid certain sections of the board. And in fact, you have to because there's not there's no way that you can really focus on all the different areas. You just don't have enough resources or time to be able to make that happen. You know that you have to work on your wall because bad stuff happens if they try to invade you and your wall's not complete, you're going to lose points at the end of the game. But there's only so many things that you can do on the citizen tracks. And so it's just, I need to focus on, let's say, two or three of these. And I'll, and I'll do those things. And I don't even have to worry about the rules for the other ones. Mm-hmm. And so I played through one game and then I can kind of unlock things in my mind as I go and, and, you know, try to explore different options, but it's a game that's not on rails at all. There's so many different options of, of exploration in this game. And I, I I've enjoyed it quite a bit. Have you played this one? I have not actually. It's funny. One of my, one of the teachers at my kid's school actually um, mentioned this game. He, he also really enjoys board games and uh, it's one of his favorites. 
and I just haven't gotten around to picking up a copy. I will, absolutely. I mean, clearly, I like this genre, and I've heard nothing but great things about this game. Um, so I uh, very much hope to score a copy at some point. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth it to pick it up, and and I, I like a lot of the uh, the games by this company, Garfield and, and Renegade, that publishes them here. But Hadrian's Wall is also a really good solo game, and the thing I love about it, I'm not... I. In the past, I haven't really been a big solo gamer, but I have been more of a solo gamer over the past six months. But I don't love having to learn a bunch of new rules. I want to know how to play a game, and I want the solo game to play exactly the same way as the normal game with very little upkeep. I'm I'm uh, quite the diva when it comes to my solo board gaming picks. Uh, but Hadrian's Wall, it doesn't add a lot of extra rules, which I like that quite a bit. And it's it's trying to score the highest score that you can get, which is that's that's fine for me I, you know i can play the exact same game as i would if i'm sitting with you and I, that's that's enjoyable so that is that's yeah. hadrian's wall I highly recommend that one and that's going to do it for our list it did, just real fast did you have any uh, other honorable mentions that you wanted to throw out there i, I mentioned dinosaur raw and roar roar and right uh was my i think sixth. it's actually roar and right roar yes yeah um <laughs> I love that game also. It was great. It just didn't just ran out of room. Um, in fact, I just sold it again uh, the other day. Um, okay. <laughs> and cause I was, I was like not even related to the podcast. I was like, God, I haven't played this in a while. Let me see if I remember. And of course I'd like did remember, didn't quite remember, but that one where you're drawing on the grid, um, drawing the shapes of your dinosaur paddocks. And I mean, that's a better game for me than either dinosaur Island or dinosaur world. Like they actually mm. just improved um, and streamlined. I think the simplification required to make it a roll and write really, really helped. I mean, that may be true for Twilight Inscription, but I am—I have never played Twilight Imperium, and I never will. I'm just yeah playing that game. That is, yeah, yeah, four to six, four to eight hours listed playing time. Nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> I'll just mention two. What one was going to be Dinosaur <laughs> Island, but also I, at the same time I got that, I picked up the uh, Isle of. Isle of Cats explore and draw. I need to get that because I love yeah. Isle of Cats. Yeah. Yeah. If if you like that game, it plays a lot like uh the base game. And I could see this being a a dinosaur island type of situation where somebody's like, I don't really need the full game. It, you don't get everything, but you still kind of get the same feel with the polyomino building and all that. Uh Twa Dice was another one that is a I don't love Twa the board game. I've only played it once and it was mm-hmm. not a good experience. But I thought the I thought the Roll and Write game was was a lot of fun, and that's uh, one that you can now play on BGA if I remember right. Oh, Not, wow. yeah, yeah, BGA. That's right. It's on there. Um, one more I'll mention that is also on BGA. That where this is like <laughs> they should sponsor this podcast. That's right. Clearly. <laughs> um, the uh, next. Oh my God! It's Next Station London. Oh yeah, yes. yes. Um, it's funny because I don't haven't loved a lot of the games by that particular designer, but I love Matthew Dunstan was designer or co-designer of that. I think it's his best game. Absolutely. Um, and it is another route building. It's a little bit more abstract um, in terms of the map itself, but because you can't, you're trying, you end up doing four different routes on this map, but you can't cross, they can't cross themselves. So it's really a tight puzzle as you play. Um, and it's another one where you're flipping through. It's not. It's the shape of the next station you can connect to, going from either end of your existing. Uh, uh, I think it's supposed to be a train line. Um, 
So you generally only have a couple of options on each term and you, and also it's another one where you're like, okay, well, if I expand to this one, let me make sure that I'm still going to have options for the next turn and the next turn after that. And trying to, again, keep in mind, like not every card is going to appear in every round. So you're playing the odds a little bit of how much you'll be able to accomplish. Um, yeah. So that was one of my, um, that would have been, I guess, seventh or so, give or take on my list. And that was another one from last year that I picked up. Um, I think I got it at Gen Con or right after Gen Con and ended up really liking it, playing the heck out of it after I, after I got it and then played it on BGA too. Yeah. Yeah. Super simple game. I've only played on BGA and I actually thought I'm getting pretty good at this game. And then somebody, I think doubled my score almost the other day, (laughs) (laughs) quite the, quite the beat down, but it just makes you want to play it even more really simple gameplay. That's, that's a good pick. Okay. So Keith, we're going to wrap this up. If you want to tell people, if somebody's like, Hey, I want to know more about Keith, what he's doing, how can they find you? So I, um, I write for the athletic. Um, I review games for paste magazine. If you're looking for me on social media, I am in most sites. I am just Keith law. Um, on Twitter and on Spoutable. Um, I'm Keith Law Writer on Facebook. I'm Mr. MR Keith Law on Instagram, which is generally not baseball content. Um, but uh, And then I also have my own blog, meadowparty.com slash blog, where um, it's where I kind of write about everything else, including some board game stuff that goes over there that just doesn't fit on other sites. And I, I freelance for a bunch of places. Um, and I will write about board games for food at this point. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, I just love to write. I'm very lucky that people have been willing to pay me. People are willing to read my writing and then people are willing to pay me for my writing, but I just do. And I, you know, I have more things I want to write than I even have time or outlets, but I've been keeping that blog for 16 years now, Um, food and board games, movies, books, just anything else I feel like writing about. And also it's just a way to connect with readers well, we're not talking about baseball. So it's something a little more casual and, and typically social than um, what I get for, you know, I, I enjoy talking to readers about baseball stuff, but it's nice to have something that's a change of pace also. Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, you're one of the best writers out there when, when since we're talking about board games, uh, one of the best um, writers out there for for uh, board game reviews out there. I love love reading what you have to say about about different games in the the paste articles that I read paste magazine articles that I read. So so thank you for that. If you want to get in touch with us at Meepletown, it's uh, at Meepletown Games on all those different outlets, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can reach us at the Board Game Geek Guild number 34007. If you want to support us on Patreon or buy me a coffee, all that information is on our website, which is MeepletownGames.com. Until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown.